You know what time it is. It's time to podcast your weekly journey through the world of Yu-Gi-Oh! I'm Lance, your host and tour guide through this underworld of children's card games and plot armor where the English dub will be smashed to pieces, overanalyzed, and mocked, mostly from a loving place. Just a quick PSA before we get started. I'd like to make sure everyone who's listening is aware of some of the legal ways to watch Yu-Gi-Oh! online, as there are plenty, at least at the time of this recording. Netflix, Hulu, and Yu-Gi-Oh!.com are all viable options. If you know of any other legal avenues, please feel free to let me know. Now, let's prepare to enter the Shadow Realm. Friendly reminder, this is our second double feature episode covering episodes 11 and 12 of the anime, The Dueling Monkey and Trial by Red Eyes. So if you haven't watched both yet, please come back after you have. In actuality, this arc of episodes is five or six long, but there are clean enough breaks for me to separate them into multiple episodes of the podcast. So that's what I did to spare us all an hour and a half long episode. This two-episode mini-arc also starts with no introduction or recap. I think it's safe to say at this point that the expositional intro is deader than a doornail, but recaps? Come on, four kids. We forget things. But after the opening theme, we open up right where we left off. The gang is searching for Mokuba, who was kidnapped, again, by Kimo after Yugi defeated the evil clown version of Kaiba. Just letting you know now, that whole arc makes a bit more sense in the sub than it does in the dub, but we'll get there in the second bonus episode. Tristan theorizes that he must have taken him back to Pegasus Castle. Duh. Wasn't that the whole point of the past three episodes? Also, new voice actor for Tristan! Scheduling conflicts, evidently. New York to LA must be a heck of a commute. Taya then adds that Pegasus now has Grandpa and Mokuba. Well, Yeah, but also he already had them. Mokuba just escaped and was recaptured. Is all this really necessary? Is this why we don't get recaps anymore? Yugi and Joey use the circumstances to gather their resolve and refocus on getting the 10 star chips they need to enter the castle, but Joey is momentarily distracted by dual monsters guards scattered on the ground around them. As he bends down to start picking them up, declaring that it must be his lucky day, Tristan stops him, saying that they are his. Great looking out for your collection, Tristan. Just letting them end up all in the dirt like that. Of course, Yugi is surprised because Tristan has never showed much interest in the game before. In fact, in episode 1, he even showed negative interest in it, calling it the completely wrong name. Joey recognizes one of the cards. As it turns out, He has a card very similar to it in his deck, a green orc-looking monstrosity named Swamp Battleguard. Tristan's copy is a red version called Lava Battleguard. After Joey insults Lava's attack strength, it's 1550 compared to Swamp's 1800, Tristan tells him that Lava has never let him down and that he can take it for a test drive in his next duel. Ah, another Joey-centric episode. I hope everyone's ready. I hope I'm ready. Also, how many times could he have possibly used Lava in a duel? Like, not even a week ago, he hadn't even heard of the game, and we didn't even know you played it until just now. Whatever. Joey then says the card text reads that they work best together. That sounds just vague enough to be life-saving later in the episode. 
Taya adds that she sees some resemblance between Joey and Tristan and the two battle guards, referring to the monsters as meatheads. We transition to an ongoing duel as the sun begins to set. Mai is stomping all over an unknown and therefore unimportant duelist. In fact, as she initiates the final blow, she sounds incredibly unenthused and apathetic to the whole experience. As we fade out, she comments that the duel ranks right up there with doing her nails in terms of challenge. The boy then says that he was ranked fourth in his district finals, to which Mai replies with, Yeah, yeah, that's great, hun. We then rejoin Mai, watching the sunset and contemplating her inability to enjoy defeating, as she puts it, hotshot duelists when she envisions Joey's face in the clouds. So, Joey defeating her has apparently completely messed up her view of the game and therefore her livelihood. I'm starting to sense a pattern here. If the protagonists defeat you, you go through an existential crisis. As she resolves to exact her revenge on Joey, who else but Rex Raptor happens upon her, and he's itching for a rematch from their game on the boat. Mai seems insulted that Rex would even insinuate that she would waste more time on him and literally tells him to shoo. Rex then boasts that he's already won five star chips, which prompts Mai to reveal that she has eight. Okay, so let's talk about this. She started with two, obviously. We saw right before she dueled Joey that she beat at least one kid which would give her three or four, maybe more depending on off-screen duels. She lost one star chip to Joey, knocking her back down to two or three, possibly more, and she just defeated another rando, putting her maybe around four or five, possibly six. How many people has she beaten? And if she's going to be a recurring character, why haven't we been shown her victories? Also, Maya's current on-screen duel record is two to one. So where did these six starships come from, in addition to the two she started with? She then adds that she's only lost once, that we know of, but when she finds Joey again, it's payback time. Rex is befuddled that she could lose to Joey Wheeler. He shouldn't even really know who he is, though. He left for his room right after meeting him on the boat and hasn't run into him since, but I guess protagonists must be known by all, no matter how improbable. Just then, an idea sprouts roots in Mai's head. She agrees to duel Rex if he does something for her first. We transition now back to the gang who are surveying an open field filled with duelists. Taya laments that they've run into nothing but crazies since the tournament started, and it's refreshing to finally see some normal duelists for a change. Tristan then teases Joey, asking him if there's anyone around he thinks he can take, or if he'd rather try to find some three-year-olds. Taya adds that Joey's just biding his time until he finds a dueling monkey to challenge, and Yugi laughs. Like, I get they're trying to play into the tough love thing here, but it's honestly starting to become a bit much for me. Taya and Tristan do almost nothing but rail on Joey, and that's my job. And Yugi actually laughed this time. You're supposed to be the good friend, Yugi. This pushes Joey over the edge, and he verbally explodes, threatening the gang as a whole, but then they all hear sultry female laughter. Of course, my. Joey turns around to be greeted by the walking cleavage, who asks him if Yugi is still fighting all his battles for him. She even says that everyone knows he wouldn't have beaten her if it weren't for Yugi's coaching from the sidelines. Actually, Yugi did very little coaching in your duel, but 
whatever. She issues a challenge to him, saying that he needs to step out from Yugi's shadow and fight his own battles. Before Joey can answer, she then reveals that her challenge isn't between the two of them, but rather between him and Rex. We are, at this point, reminded by Taya and Yugi that Rex finished second in the regional tournament behind Weevil, and another attempt to dissuade Joey from accepting a challenge begins. In his head, Rex goes over the arrangement. Mai will duel him if he defeats this, quote, amateurous Rex. Pun. Mai also puts forth the stipulation that if Yugi backseat duels or tries to coach Joey in any way, the match will be forfeited to Rex. As Taya steps in to deny the challenge on Joey's behalf, he raises his arm in protest and says that's just how he wants it. He says that it is true he could lose all of his star chips, but he doesn't deserve to keep them if he only has them because of Yugi. Technically, you don't deserve to have them anyway since you weren't invited to the tournament, but okay. Joey then goes on a short spiel about how people have always been trying to help him because they think he can't help himself. <clears throat> Guys, am I right? Tristan steps in, telling Joey that he won't just sit by while he throws away his star chips and the chance to help his sister Serenity. He continues by turning to Mai and Rex, saying, Little Joey can't come out and play today. Too much, Tristan. Way, way too much. We cut to seeing Mai and then Yugi and Taya as the voiceover indicates an altercation between Joey and Tristan is occurring. As we cut back to Tristan, who is now on the ground, he asks what Joey shoved him for, but with his face redder than a beat, it's implied that a bit more than shoving happened. As Yugi chimes in, attempting to be the voice of reason by saying that friends just look out for each other, Joey stops him, telling him to stay out of this. Tristan stands up and sarcastically tells Joey that he should do what he has to do, even if it means losing the chance to help his sister Serenity. Then there's a short flashback of the video she sent, in case we forgot, with a voiceover from Joey telling her that he will make her proud. As we cut back in, we're greeted with Taya attempting to calm everyone down, but Tristan says if Mr. Macho wants to lose, he can do it by himself before trudging off screen. As Joey accepts the challenge, he reiterates to Yugi to stay out of this one, and then, as Rex and Joey enter the arena, Taya screams to him not to forget what he's fighting for. Which is... what again? I haven't been reminded in the last 10 seconds, so I forgot. Mai then screams to Rex to remember their deal. Joey calls Rex Mai's attack dog, and Rex responds by calling Joey a dueling monkey, second time this episode, and Joey catches fire with rage, startling Rex a little bit. They both put up two star chips as an ante, and Joey contemplates how he's going to beat Rex, landing on the same combo he used to beat Mai, Baby Dragon and Time Wizard. There's even a flashback of him winning that duel. Show of hands, who thinks it's going to work twice in a row? What? No one? Okay. Hopefully you're wrong. As the life points are set to 2000 and the duel begins, Yugi turns to Taya and tells her to keep rooting for Joey while he goes to check on something. Presumably Tristan. Joey actually manages to draw both Baby Dragon and Time Wizard in his opening hand, and in his excitement notices that Yugi walked off but he believes Yugi will be very proud to see what he's done all by himself. Joey goes first, playing Baby Dragon in defense mode. Rex counters with two-headed King Rex, destroying Baby Dragon and ruining Joey's combo, and Joey seems surprised. You left a weak monster out by itself, and you didn't think Rex would capitalize on it? Stupid. Rex berates Joey for defending on his first turn. Why? And Taya tells him that everyone makes mistakes, he just needs to not make another one. Great rooting, Taya. I'm feeling the love and support. 
Mai finishes the dialogue by saying that Joey's already made the most fatal mistake of this match, accepting it in the first place. After a few turns of trading blows, the life point count is Joey 1605 to Rex 1870. Joey then takes a moment to contemplate his predicament. He doesn't believe that he can beat Rex, even with a field power bonus. Taya yells at him that he can still win because all of his friends are behind him, which prompts Joey to sarcastically say to himself that that's why Yugi and Tristan ditched him. I mean, Tristan left because you were being stupid and hit him. Yugi left to obviously go check on Tristan, so... Shut up. We now cut to Tristan, who is washing his face off in a river or a lake, muttering to himself about how much of a jerk Joey was being. Yugi walks up and asks him if everything is okay. Tristan tells him he needs to be there to help Joey or else he won't win. Again, just no faith in Joey, like, at all. Would it really hurt you and Taya to be a little more like Yugi? There's then this sort of touching exchange with Tristan playing the part of the protective parent telling Yugi he has to be there, and Yugi acting the part of the supportive but realistic parent saying that this is Joey's fight and he can only help him if he wants to be helped. Yugi also brings up that he can't help Joey or he'll be forced to forfeit the match, and that all of his friends need to be there believing in him so he can learn to believe in himself. Tristan responds by saying that he doesn't think Joey can win, but Yugi says this is about more than winning or losing. It's about Joey being a good big brother to his sister Serenity. As an older brother, I identify with that. You gotta pick your battles, but also it's not always about winning. It's not about getting ahead. Sometimes it's just about being a good example for your younger sibling. I completely get that. We then come back to the duel, and Joey is still having a little pity party for himself, but he rallies back saying he can't think like that. If he doesn't believe in himself, he can't expect his sister Serenity to believe in him. Joey decides that even though his combo fell flat on its face before he could execute it, Time Wizard is probably still his best bet for winning, and he plays it face down but still declares out loud what it is, and in the magic and trap zone. Why? Dumb. It's just... It's just so dumb. This sparks a light in Mai's brain, so she shouts to Rex to watch out for that time wizard because that's how Joey beat her in their duel. Rex says that he doubts Joey even knows how to use it without Yugi's help. Fairly evident, given how he played it just now. But this prompts a flashback from Mai, reiterating that he only beat her with it because of Yugi's coaching. Actually, as I said before, he merely reminded Joey that he had it. I wouldn't exactly call that coaching. After Rex destroys another of Joey's defense mode monsters, in desperation, he turns to the Flame Swordsman, a fusion monster that he somehow just plays straight from his hand like a regular main deck monster because screw the rules, I don't know what I'm doing. Even though it gains a field power bonus from the meadow, it's still too weak to defeat Rex's monsters. So Rex is the one who declares an attack. Mai interjects, calling him a dino dummy, and the battle ends with Rex's monster being destroyed, dropping his life points to 1330. Everyone is surprised by this turn of events, but Mai clears it up. Apparently, dinosaurs are especially vulnerable to fire, and being the flame swordsman, Joey's monster attacks with fire. Some more rule bending, but hey, who cares at this point, right? Especially if it's serving the protagonists. Rex then loses three more monsters to flame swordsman, implying three more of his turns have passed. Rex comments that one card won't win this for Joey, who responds by playing Swamp Battleguard, which also gets boosted by the field, to 2340. Rex plays Serpent Knight Dragon, 2350 attack, and indicates that it was a prize card for the finalists of the regional championship. He then uses it to destroy Joey's Swordsman, which Joey calls his best card. Really? If that's true, 
You've got a long way to go, my dude. As Joey laments the fact that no card in his deck can save him now, he draws the Lava Battle Guard and has a small flashback to a time when Tristan came to his rescue during a fight, standing up for a little kid being taunted by more than a few bullies. After Tristan helped him fight them off, he berates Tristan for babying him. We then rejoin Joey in the duel where he finally realizes that Tristan was never babying him, he was looking out for him because he's a true friend. Oh. Moving on. It is at this time that Yugi and Tristan rejoin the fray, giving Joey a renewed vigor as he plays the Lava Battle Guard. Rex directs his dragon to attack Swamp Battle Guard, but the attack is reflected back, destroying his Serpent Knight dragon. It is revealed that Lava blocked the attack for his Swamp brother. Yugi comments that those two are like best friends, acting like a team when they're on the field together, powering each other up. A lot like Tristan and Joey do for each other in real life. Rex's life points drop to 840, and he teases to himself that he has an even stronger monster waiting to be played. After he literally called Serpent Knight Dragon the top link of the food chain as he played it. Rex decides to play a monster in face-down defense mode, but again declares what it is. For the life of me, I'll never understand why... They say what card they're playing face down. It completely defeats the purpose of playing it face down, unless they're lying, which they never are. Tristan declares out loud that this duel should be a piece of cake since Joey destroyed Rex's best monster, but Rex asks whoever said Serpent Knight Dragon was his best card. Actually, your strongest monster was declared a few days ago at the regional championship when you played two-headed King Rex, and then in this duel you've already played at least four monsters stronger than that one, so how is anyone supposed to know what your best card is? He then plays his strongest monster, the Red Eyes Black Dragon. Which, by the way, only edges out Serpent Knight Dragon in attack by 50 points. Yugi says Grandpa told him about a legendary dragon whose powers are said to rival those of the Blue Eyes White Dragon. Okay, but, um, it's 600 attack points weaker than Blue Eyes, so no? I'm thinking no. Also, all of the other characters watching, and Rex, honestly, are all acting like this is some supreme monster, and it's only stronger than his last monstrosity by 50 points. How is this so daunting? Rex plays Dragon Nails, an equipped magic card that gives Red Eyes an extra 600 attack points. Okay, now it rivals Blue Eyes, but it took another card, so still not as impressive. Rex attacks, destroying both of Joey's battle guards, while pronouncing those who defend together are destroyed together. That's... Not always how that works, though, and definitely not how it does or should work in this scenario. Taya leans down to ask Yugi if there's anything Joey can do to win, and he thinks to himself that there is one play Joey can make while the camera slowly zooms in on his face-down time wizard. But Yugi is barred from giving advice, so will Joey have the wherewithal to use it? Let's find out. As Joey is about to make his next move, Rex remembers that he played the time wizard face-down a few turns ago. Mai starts to insult him some more, which prompts him to get an idea, and Rex gets a devilish smile on his face. He calls out to Joey for a proposition. They will both put up, as an additional ante, the card that they have out on the field. Joey had completely forgotten he even had Time Wizard out, and Rex just reminded him. Mai, of course, is not happy with Rex trying to get one over on her by acquiring the one card we know she can't beat. Rex also claims to be a dinosaur in this short argument with her here, and is that a thing? Like, I'm sure that's maybe like a delusion caused by mental illness, but does he identify sexually as a dinosaur? I'm scared to ask, but would, what would you even call that? 
If you know the answer, if you are one, or if you know someone who is, feel free to tweet me at It's Time to Podcast. While Rex and Mai continue arguing, Joey has an internal conflict. Red Eyes could really help him out in this tournament, but he doesn't want to just gamble with the Time Wizard since it was a gift from Yugi. After resolving that he doesn't have to gamble with it, he agrees to Rex's proposition, his Red Eyes for Joey's Time Wizard. Even if you don't think you have to gamble with it, you still do have to gamble with it. That is a gambling addict's mentality, and I'm not here for it. Seek help, Joe. Because no true friend would put up a gift as an ante like that, especially not without the friend's permission and not in front of the friend who gave it to them. And all Yugi has to say about all this? That's a gutsy move. Is that a veiled threat, Yug? Joey decides that he's not only wagering the Time Wizard, he's also playing it. Yugi confirms that this is the optimal move for his situation. Joey activates Time Roulette, and Time Wizard's wand becomes a Will of Fortune-style thing where two opposite fourths of the circle are time machines, I guess. The other two fourths are split in half, and all four of those pieces are brandishing skulls. Okay, so now we introduce the luck mechanic into this. In his duel with Mai, there was no Time Roulette. He just straight up sent the field forward in time. Why add it now? For suspense? Guess we couldn't have Joey relying on luck for his first activation, or whatever. But now that he's gambling with it, we have to introduce this crap. For suspense. Changing how cards work again! So we know from the previous time he used this card that if time magic activates, the field will be sent forward in time and most likely destroy Rex's red eyes. Here, Yugi reveals that landing on a skull makes itself destruct, destroying Joey's monsters and taking a chunk of his life points with them. But of course, it lands on the time machine, I guess. So the time warp activates. Cue Rocky Horror. Once 1,000 years have passed on the field, it looks like Red Eyes has been fossilized, as evidenced by the fact that it literally falls apart when Rex tells it to attack. It takes so much longer for things to fossilize than 1,000 years. Also, Time Wizard to the rescue again! Then, Yugi says Time Wizard made millions of years pass on the field. This is far too inconsistent for me now. Will it always be luck-based now? Or can he choose when he wants to play the Time Roulette? Who would even choose to do that if you could just activate the warp directly? And is it a thousand years? A million years? Or millions of years? The destruction of the Red Eyes nets Joey two star chips, giving him four in total now, and a nifty-looking super rare card. Yugi says that Joey did it all by himself, which isn't untrue, but it isn't especially true either. If Rex hadn't been greedy, he wouldn't have reminded Joey of the Time Wizard on the field. The rest of the gang run up to Joey after his victory, and Tristan tricks him, shoving him to the ground like he did to Tristan at the beginning of the arc. The two start having a verbal argument with threats of more violence, and Yugi attempts to calm them down. Taya, however, steps in, insisting they stay out of it. She thinks this is their bizarre way of showing each other they care. Yugi reluctantly agrees and says, I hope they don't care about me that much. At this point, Joey and Tristan are literally pulling at each other's faces like they're Thanksgiving turkeys. We now cut to nighttime, with the full moon glaring down on the gang. Taya thinks they should set up camp, which isn't a bad idea at all, but Tristan pokes fun at her for being scared jerk, before he gets scared himself and suggests the same idea. Stupid jerk. As they pass by a rather large bush, Joey says there's nothing to fear, but there are glowing red eyes in the bush. Is it the red eyes? 
Its spirit has come to claim its card and take it back to hell. It's like an It Follows thing where it chases whoever owns the card and groans and moans like the King Ramses from Courage the Cowardly Dog. Return the card. We cut again to their camp. There's no setup at all. They're just sitting underneath the tree. Great cover, guys. Joey complains about being hungry and notices a mushroom at the base of the tree. Unfortunately for him, Tristan physically stops him from chowing down on it. Yugi then says that wild mushrooms are poisonous. Not all of them, surely. I mean, I'm no mycologist, but I'm sure some of them are fine, right? Hashtag not all shrooms. We are then greeted by a familiar, sultry voice say, Then do us all a favor and let him eat it. <laughs> it's my, of course. What a bewitch. Joey asks her what she wants now, and then she takes a bite of... A chocolate bar? A Slim Jim? I don't know. Food of some kind. When Joey tells her off for eating in front of him, she says she'll give him some food in exchange for his star chips. Classy, my. Very classy. She then says she was kidding, and that she'd be happy to share if he will simply ask politely like a gentleman. Joey believes it's a trick so that she can make fun of him some more, which prompts her to say, Look, by tomorrow I'll have one entrance into the castle, so there's no point in me keeping an entire knapsack full of food. So confident, I love it. And she brought food! Already miles ahead of these dimwits! Joey declares that he wants one good reason to trust her, and she returns with, It's either me or that poisonous mushroom. We now cut to Mai putting her knapsack full of food on display for the gang, and Joey calls dibs on literally everything except the canned fruit. Mai says there will be no dibs, at least not until the chores are done. She commands Yugi to gather firewood and the other boys to fetch some water. With the boys gone, Mai tells Taya that there's a makeshift shower just a few yards away so that she can freshen up. Who put that there? I wouldn't trust it unless Mai rigged it up herself. The only issue, it seems, is that Taya waits until everyone is back to get in it. Why? For reasons? Possibly because the boys had to bring water, but it has like a mechanical shower head, so clearly it's hooked up to some sort of actual water system. So I, d I don't know. The boys are around the newly constructed fire, cooking, and Maya's standing guard outside the shower. Maya rags on Joey some more, which prompts Taya to call her tough. Oh, so now Taya respects her. Okay. Mai then says that we gals have to look out for each other, especially with bozos like the guys around. She asks Taya why she even hangs out with them, to which she responds, That's easy, Mai. They're my best friends. In Mai's experience, though, their type is only good for moving furniture or fixing cars. Right. Wink, wink. Taya hears something on the other side of the shower and screams. Mai rushes in to investigate and says whatever it was has left. Okay, so I know Mai has her faults, but... She is such a take-charge kind of lady, and honestly, she's not that bad of a role model for Taya in that regard, because Taya is just so timid, shy, damsel in distressy. We cut, again, to the gang and Mai eating. Yugi tries some small talk with Mai, asking her how many starships she has and complimenting her, but she says she won't be fooled by his nice guy routine. Joke's on you, witchy woman. He is actually just a nice guy. Taya then cuts in, demanding that they not talk about the tournament for just one night. Okay, but this is the first night of the tournament, so seems a bit misplaced. Mai agrees, but only as long as everyone gets something straight. Every duelist in her way is going down, and this surprises everyone. Why? We already knew this about her, right? Right? Pretty sure we did. 
She then stands up and declares that she is going for a walk. Joey says that she can really ruin a meal as we transition to Mai on her walk, which conveniently just has her standing near a cliff's edge in front of some bushes contemplating friendship with the gang. As she regains her resolve to remain alone and focused on her goal of victory, a great hulking man creeps up behind her from the shadows and steals her away into the bushes. The implications here are mind-boggling, but I assure you it isn't at all what they're trying so hard to imply. We now cut back to the gang who are discussing Mai's absence. Obviously, she's been gone long enough to warrant worry, but not long enough to actually warrant action. Okay, there's a rustling in the bushes behind Taya who screams again, and the boys jump up to protect her. And who should step out of the shadows but Bakura. I will be pronouncing his name like that, Bakura, for the episodes of the podcast that cover the dub. For the ones in the sub, that's where I will try my best to remember to say it as it is intended to be pronounced, and that is Bakra. What? A freaking creeper. Popping out of shadowy bushes. Joey asks him what he's doing all the way out here, and he replies, same as you guys, I guess, and everyone acts like this is an appropriate answer. He has... No dueling glove, so he isn't part of the tournament, and none of you have really interacted with him on screen before, so why is he here? He didn't just wander onto this island, guys. Come on! Cut again to the gang, who have obviously forgotten all about my jerks, and Bakura sitting around the fire staring at different Duel Monsters cards. Joey admits to imagining himself as the monster on the field sometimes, trading blows and such, which prompts Bakura to ask him what card he would want to be. Seems harmless enough, but probably shouldn't trust character we haven't met before who likes to sneak through the underbrush and ask personal questions. Joey answers with the Flame Swordsman. Tristan then stands up and declares the Cyber Commander to be his favorite. Taya pokes a little fun at them, but Yugi says he thinks everyone has a card with which they identify. He urges her to find one for herself, and she chooses the Magician of Faith. Tristan and Joey then return the favor, poking lots of fun at her because of her choice. Jerks. Bakura asks Yugi which card with which he identifies, and he replies, Oh, that's easy. Dark Magician, hands down. Well, duh. But for reasons we will find out much later. When Yugi asks Bakura which card is his favorite, he holds up a copy of Change of Heart. Joey says it looks weird. It's obviously supposed to be a half-angel, half-demon entity holding a heart, with the card art itself literally split down the middle between the light and dark halves. It's actually one of my favorite card arts in the game. Bakura says that if he wants to see how it works, then they can duel. Not for starships, just for a little fun. Red flag! Just for a little fun? Never means just for a little fun. Run, guys! Run for your lives! The gang seems to be in a unanimous agreement with the notion that a plain old duel sounds refreshing, and Bakura urges each of them to put their favorite card into Yugi's deck so it can be like they are all playing. If he weren't so dang creepy, this would almost be heartwarming if not a little cliche. As the gang ready their cards, we see Bakura's face change to a devilish smile lit only by the fire. Bum bum bum! They set up for the duel with two game mats sitting on a stump. Where did those come from? Did Bakura have them? Or did Yugi? Who had them? Bakura then says in a much more confident and manly voice than before, Before we get started, there's a little something I'd like to share with you all, and especially with you, Yugi. Uh-oh, here we go. Cue the I'm in danger meme. He begins humming and staring down at his chest as something materializes there, a large pendant hanging from his neck. 
Yugi declares it to be a Millennium item, and Bakura confirms it to be the Millennium Ring, before saying that it is taking them all to the Shadow Realm. Okay, so for brevity's sake, when the darker Bakura is in control, I will refer to him as Florence, as an homage to Yu-Gi-Oh! The Abridged series. Once they arrive in the Shadow Realm, Florence then uses his ring to disembody the gang's souls and send them into Yugi's deck. He then stands up to take Yugi's Millennium Puzzle, saying to himself that he's waited centuries to get a hold of it. However, just as he is about to grab it, the super sexy transformation occurs and Big Yugi stops him. You! It can't be! Okay, so Florence knows who Big Yugi is. Why is there no reveal here? Because plot? Because four seasons later, plot? Big Yugi says that if Florence wants his puzzle, he'll have to duel him for it. But if he wins, Florence has to return everyone back to normal. Florence agrees, but says that this is one shadow game that Big Yugi cannot win. Well, like, everyone said that about every duel so far, let alone shadow games. So, I'm gonna call it now. Bullcrap! But with that, this two-episode mini-arc draws to a close. In these episodes, we got a better introduction to Rex Raptor, who also amounts to nothing more than a one-off character for this season. But we also officially met Bakura, who is quite timid and adorable, albeit a little on the creepy side, and is also possessed by the spirit of the Millennium Ring. Joey overcame adversity and won his first duel all by himself, kinda, and gained a new powerful and very rare card, the Red-Eyes Black Dragon. We also got to see that Mai is not so unshakable in her resolve as she is contemplating befriending our band of merry heroes. Next week, we will cover Season 1, Episode 13, Evil Spirit of the Ring. But first, query for the week. Do you believe that Joey beat Rex on his own, or are you in the same boat that I am in believing that he only won because Rex inadvertently reminded him of the Time Wizard on the field? How crappy was it of Joey to bet Yugi's Time Wizard? And how creepy is Bakura? Like, not even Florence, but Bakura himself. Let me know what you think. Or if you have any other comments, questions, or concerns, please feel free to email me at itstimetopodcast at gmail.com and follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash itstimetopodcast and on Twitter at itstime2podcast. If you can, please consider backing me on Patreon at patreon.com slash itstimetopodcast. It will help me continue to bring awesome content to you guys, expand in the future, and give even more back to this wonderful community we are building. But until next time, your move.